Hello, my name is David Shulman. Welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. This year, China will graduate around 7 million students from university. That's probably the largest ever graduating class in the history of the world. But many of those students will struggle to find a job. Over the last few decades, there's been a boom in the number of university graduates, particularly in the developing world. That should be good news for development and for students who are often told that if they want a good job, they should get education. But with graduates flooding the market around the world, Richard Freeman of Harvard University says that puts new pressures not only on the graduates, but also on a country's leaders. The vast majority of people getting university degrees today are getting the degrees in developing countries. Every country, or almost every country, has invested heavily in colleges and universities and increased their enrollments in higher education and produced many more graduates than anyone would have believed, say, 15 years ago. So there's been just giant growth. The country with the most remarkable growth is China, because if we go back to the 60s and early 70s, Mao's Cultural Revolution had devastated higher education. And today, China has 30 million people enrolled. And they graduated this year, 2013, a class of 7 million people, which has to be the biggest graduating class in the history of our planet. Many developing countries have emerged from the financial crisis showing some pretty remarkable economic growth and a surge in the numbers of university graduates. Are these countries ready yet to benefit from a better educated workforce? That's That's a giant question. Certainly, if you expand your higher education system very quickly, you suddenly flood the market with so many young people, it's going to take a while for them to find their long-term careers. So if there aren't the jobs for these educated workers at home, what happens to these workers? And what risks does it present to the country as a whole? The jobs that people ultimately will end up taking will be jobs of lower quality than they thought they had prepared for. Also, their wages will be lower than they had anticipated. But they will find that they're the best educated people in their more blue-collar job or shop attendant job, and they're more likely to get promoted to a management position later on. The big society issue is whether students, all of whom live together, know each other, connected in networks, whether they will create uh, protests against their economic situation. They thought they were being promised secure, safe, really good jobs, and they're going to have to struggle a bit to get that. Marx uh, believed everything was about the industrial workers, the factory workers. If he were to come back today, he would quickly see no place of the factory workers growing substantially. They don't have overwhelming potential power. Uh, Instead, he would notice that there's this huge group of university students, and there are a lot of informal sector workers. And he'd have to organize his revolutionary uh, doctrine around these two very different classes than the industrial workers. Does higher education in developing countries present a risk of instability? It does if the country is not absorbing them into the job market and having programs to help them get jobs, yes. So the question is how much promise the country can hold to them and what programs it will develop to ameliorate their concerns 
as long as they think they're going to do better at some point, I think those potential social disorders can be limited. Of course, not all social disorders are, are bad. I say this is how Korea developed its democracy, overthrowing the military regime, was through student protests together with workers and other citizens. Is the Arab Spring another example of this? Yeah, the Arab Spring would be a great example. Obviously, it also shows the dangers because some of the Arab Spring events have not produced stable democratic situations. And then you have dangers of people turning against the new democracies and military uh, reestablishing order against the groups that basically overturned the dictatorship. If you're a policymaker in a developing country that's responded quite well to the financial crisis, and you've got this sudden influx of college graduates, but you don't really have the jobs to support them, what would be your top recommendation to fend off instability and to fend off brain drain? Yeah, well, I would worry more about the uh, brain drain issue than the instability, because some countries, well, they should have some instability because they're dictatorial and not, not treating their people correctly. For the brain drain kind of phenomenon, uh, startups have been important in the advanced countries, and startups should be equally important in the developing countries. And I would make sure that it's easy to start a new business and to make innovations. If you're an educated person in one of these countries, you can play an arbitrage role. Namely, you have some knowledge of the newest technologies. You have a knowledge of the newest products. You can bring them into the country the chance for you to do very well in the business is quite substantial. Richard Freeman, Harvard economics professor and director of the U.S.-based National Bureau of Economic Research. He spoke about the benefits and problems created by the surge in higher education throughout the developing world. To hear more podcasts from the International Monetary Fund, log on to www.soundcloud.com slash imf podcasts. Thank you.